Disclaimer. This podcast is intended for you to enjoy and practice your English skills. We are not held responsible if you can't get to sleep tonight. <laughs> Welcome to the Spooky Podcast. My name is Laura Anela Chaparro and today I'm going to be the host for this second episode of the Spooky Podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing about the poltergeist and EVP phenomenon, which is electronic voice phenomenon. And we're going to have two guests who are going to tell us two real-life frightening stories which are closely related with poltergeist and EVP phenomena. After having said this, let's begin with tonight's topic, ghosts, the poltergeist and EVP phenomena. So now, let's find out what the poltergeist phenomenon is about. The term poltergeist comes from the combining of two German words, poltern, which means to crash, and geist, that means spirit or ghost. So in other words, a poltergeist is a noisy or unruly ghost or spirit Although less common than traditional hauntings, reports of poltergeist activity dates back to the first century. In modern times, the phenomenon has generated several major films and television programs. Many people believe that spirits of the dead are responsible for poltergeist activity. This is said to be because people who experience them perceive an underlying intelligence and meaningful communication with an otherworldly being. This view proposes that a disembodied consciousness, or soul, survives bodily death. But again, there also isn't any compelling scientific evidence to support this view. This is a definition retrieved from the web portal The Conversation. Thank you, Marlon, for your explanation. Probably when you hear this term, what usually comes to mind is the, I think it's 1982 movie with the same name and the little girl sitting in front of the TV showing nothing but statics. A poltergeist is a paranormal phenomenon which consists of events alluding to the manifestation of an imperceptible entity. Such manifestation typically includes inanimate objects moving or being thrown about, also sentient noises such as knocking, pounding or banging, 
and on some occasions physical attacks on those witnessing the events. Although there is no science to back up the claims of a poltergeist, a lot of mediums and experts on this topic insist that they do exist, that the poltergeist um, is real, and to get rid of them requires insistence that they are not wanted and that they must leave. So if you have ever experienced a paranormal situation that includes the movement of inanimated objects, noises, or attacks um, that could have been a poltergeist event. Interesting, right? Now, let's move to another and very interesting paranormal phenomena, and that is EVP. Remember that EVP means electronic voice phenomenon. EVP stands for electronic voice phenomena, discovered by Friedrich Jürgensen in 1959, are sounds found on electronic recordings that are interpreted as spirit voices that have been either unintentionally recorded or intentionally requested and recorded. The phenomenon is often referred to as rotted voices, apparently from dead individuals. Rotted voices are electronically impressed on tapes or recordings made on standard apparatus. The voices have also been discovered on the white noise or certain radio vans. The discovery, backed by thousands of experiments, has been seen as a way of obtaining communication from dead people through electronic apparatus instead of spiritualist mediums. However, some experimenters believe that the voice phenomenon is ambiguous or capable of mundane explanation, such as being the result of radio sources or even wishful thinking. Scientists regard EVP as a form of authority pareidolia, which is interpreting random sounds as voices in one's own language, and also as pseudoscience promulgated by popular culture. Prosaic explanations for EVP include equipment artifacts, hoaxes, and apophenia, which is perceiving patterns in random information. Thank you, Biden, for your explanation. In my own research, I have found out that EVPs are often presented as the most valid form of evidence by ghost hunters. EVPs are described as mysterious voices of spirits that are only heard when a recording is played back or through a ghost box or spirit box. EVPs are sounds that are caught on audio recorders and those could not be heard during their recording. Sometimes these sounds are strange and unidentifiable, but sometimes they are clearly voices. The question is, where are the voices coming from? 
Skeptics say that EVPs are just interference from radio waves, walkie-talkies, cell phones, or a great number of other electronic devices. They also say that sometimes people are hearing things that are just aren't there. I mean, perhaps sounds in the static that appear to be voices, but are not. I'm not sure if I have ever experienced an EVP phenomenon, but I do remember one day I went to Puerto Rico with two friends. We were at Castillo de San Felipe del Morro, which is a very old castle, and we were taking pictures, walking around it, and recording some videos. It was late and all people have already left because it was time to close that place. Um, me and my friends went to one of the rooms to take pictures before leaving and when we got to the hotel I was watching the last video I recorded and I heard a very strange noise. It was a voice but um, it was not very clear. Also it didn't say like clear words but the voice we heard was very scary and up to this day we don't know what it was or what it could have been now we're going to be talking about two interesting stories about poltergeist and evp phenomena one of the stories is the real story behind the haunting in connecticut yes it is a film but we're going to be talking about the real story. The 2009 psychological horror film, The Haunting in Connecticut, tells the story of the Snedeker family, who in 1986 rented an old house in Southington, Connecticut. Alan and Carmen Snedeker moved in with their daughter and three young sons. While exploring their new home, Carmen found strange items in the basement, such as tools used by morticians. But I'm not going to be the one telling the story. So now, let's welcome our first guest. Her name is Maria Jose Hernandez, and she is going to tell us this story. Haunting in Connecticut As the Haunting in Connecticut movie portrays, the Snedekers moved to Southington, Connecticut in 1986 because their son had Hodgkin's lymphoma and they needed to be closer to the hospital where he was being treated. With four children and serious medical bills, the family was struggling financially, so finding an affordable rental property that could accommodate all of them seemed like a blessing. It wasn't until they were actually moving into the rental that they realized the property's former purpose. While moving items into the basement, they found embalming tables and tools. The haunting experience that is the cornerstone of haunting in Connecticut began with the mother Carmen Snedeker noticing items missing. The children would see strange people in their home and the eldest son had a drastic personality shift, eventually attacking his cousin and getting diagnosed with schizophrenia. 
the family's experience in the house escalated. Carmen and her husband Alan reported being repeatedly raped and sodomized by demons inhabiting the house. They saw ghosts and the house would randomly smell like rotting flesh. After months in this hellhole, the Snedekers called in paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, who only elevated the haunting in Connecticut tale to new heights. The Warrens joined the haunting in Connecticut saga when they investigated the Snedekers funeral parlor home by moving in for weeks to get the full demonic experience. The investigators declared that the morticians that worked there practiced democracy and had infused the home with a deep evil. The Warrens performed an exorcism of the property and eventually declared safe for the family to return. The story, story has, has been, been retrieved, retrieved from, from FilmDaily.com. Thank you, Maria Jose, for this creepy but interesting story. Well, there has been some skepticism about this story. No one can argue that this story is chilling itself. So now let's picture all of it. A family moved into a new home to be closer to the cancer treatment their son needed. But after arriving, his behavior started becoming more and more erratic. The kid blamed the house, saying that he could see male's figures, but his mother didn't believe him, and instead, they began to suspect he may have been schizophrenic. The family moved out of the house, and Philip, the son, got out of the hospital as well. The mom said it took him a while to trust her again, but he did, before his death, from a recurrence of cancer in January 2012. The following story is about a well-known crime and haunted house. Five people were murdered at the Long Island residence in 1974, and frightening stories and tales about the home continue to spook. The house is located 30 miles outside of New York City, in the Long Island town of Amityville. But again, I'm not going to be the one telling the story, so now let's welcome our second guest. Her name is Stephanie Cervantes. The Amityville Haunting is perhaps the most famous ghost story in America. Ronald DeFeo Jr. was convicted for the 1974 killing of his mother, father, and four of their children at their home in Amityville, New York. Reports indicate that the gun Ronald used didn't have a silencer, and there was no sign of a struggle inside the house, facts that left investigators puzzled. In 1975, a new family, the Lutzes, moved into the Amityville home, having bought it at a discounted price. They lived there for less than a month. During that time, voices were heard around the house. 
their daughter develop an imaginary friendship with a red-eyed pig called Jody. The house attracted swarms of flies. There was banging on the walls and the furniture was set to move on its own, according to reports from the family. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren were called to investigate, and they also reported encountering paranormal phenomena. Ed Warren said he was pushed to the floor of the basement by an unknown force. The house still stands today, although recent owners say it is not haunted. The 1977 book The Amityville Horror and a number of films are based on the story. This story was retrieved from LifeScience.com. Thank you, Stephanie, for this spooky story from real life. 23-year-old Ronald DeVille murdered his entire family while they were asleep, which included his parents and four siblings. Thirteen months later, the Lutz family purchased the home at a very, very reduced price due to the murders, I think, but only lasted 28 days before leaving it. Can you imagine that? Not even a month living there. The family that bought the house, the Lutz family, set to wake up at 3.15 a.m. every morning, which was around the time Ronald carried out his murders. The Lutz family claimed to smell strange odors. Also, when a priest came to bless the house, he heard a voice scream, Get out! He told the Lutzes to never sleep there, in that particular room of the house. Also, the Lutz family could see doors opening and closing, a spirit knocking a knife down in the kitchen, a pig-like creature with red eyes, among other creepy and scary events. To finish with this second episode of this podcast, I would like to ask you if you have ever experienced a paranormal event or situation that includes a poltergeist event, an EVP phenomenon, or both. We will love to hear your stories. In our next episode of the Spooky Podcast, we will be discussing and talking about a very interesting topic, and that is UFO phenomena and strange events that have been reported to happen in the skies all around the globe. Don't forget to visit the ELTpedia website for further activities related to this podcast. Thank you so much for being here and listening to us. And remember, we're not held responsible if you can get to sleep tonight. Peace out, 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 peace out